Welcome to Woman's Zone, connecting women through their stories. Hedy Lampert has an insatiable curiosity for genetics, psychology and relationships. Her novel, The Trouble with My Aunt, brings all of these together. It's based on a true story of the lives of her own family, a story of love, a very real medical condition and uncovered family secrets. The condition is Fragile X Syndrome. The love and the secrets are complicated and it's a compelling read. Hedy is an award-winning journalist, a musician and ceramicist as well as an author. The twin themes of Artscape's Women's Humanity Festival this year are freedom and inclusivity. And Hedy's book, dealing with the issue of intellectual disability and its challenges within a family, focuses very much on inclusivity. I'm Beryl Eichenberger, Chief Librarian at the Women's Library at Artscape, and I was pleased to talk to Hedy, not just because I enjoyed her book, but because I learned so much from it about this syndrome that affects so many people. If you'd like to find out more, The Trouble With My Aunt is published by Porcupine and available on Amazon and all good bookstores. And when our Women's Own Book Club is up and running again, post-lockdown restrictions, you'll be able to borrow it. So I asked Hedy first to tell us more about Leah, the main protagonist. Leah is a career girl and um, her family is largely, is women. The, the grandfather has died, the father has died. And she has a mom who is very doting and wonderful, but she also likes to kind of gently take the mickey out of her and that leads to a lot of tongue-in-cheek comedy throughout the book. There's Gran who is a typical Jewish granny but trying to troll everybody and uh, is always not speaking to this sister or that friend. There's a Kocheleful Auntie Tilly who uh, is always jibing and uh, there's a best friend Stella who has a wonderful role of kind of playing the kind of backdrop to whatever Leah's going through and allows Leah to sort of explain stuff through dialogue. And there's, of course, Auntie Vi. And Auntie Vi is Leah's mother's sister. And there's always been something not right with her. And they kind of put it down to her thyroid because she, she that's, that's the only thing that was ever diagnosed with her. She's just not right. And she's lived with parents her whole life. And their lives have pretty much been defined by the fact that They've had to look after this person, Gran and Grandpa, and of course she is a burden to, to Leah's mother. Ultimately, Leah knows the responsibility is going to fall on her. Much of this material is actually taken from your own experience. I mean, it is fiction, but you've written a novel about your own family to a very large extent. Why don't you talk to us about that and how it was with you living with an intellectually challenged person? This is part of the the actual uh, event stuff in the book. My aunt and I were best friends probably until I was three or four years old because that's that's the intellectual level she was most happy at. 
And so we had all sorts of little games we would play. And, and when I would sleep over at Gran and Grandpa, I would sleep in her room on a mattress on the floor, or we'd go away to places like Hunter's Rest and the game reserves. And, and I would always be sharing a room with my aunt. And of course, she, you know, we, 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 were, the, we were the single women. So she, she, she never got married. And I soon grew out of her and became very frustrated because she wouldn't help me with my homework. She wouldn't ask me, am I spelling or my times table? She'd say, I'm tired, go and ask your granny. And so I became very irritated. And this, this of course, leads to a certain amount of guilt. But at the same time, one is growing up and one is uh, moving on. And uh, my mother was very much aware of her duty. And she prayed every day that she would not, that my aunt would be the first one to die so that nobody else would have to look after my aunt. Ironically, my aunt has been my legacy, uh, my mother's legacy and I, uh, yeah, I'm the one left. So, uh, and my grand's whole life was determined by looking after my aunt. Perhaps let's go back to the opening slug line that we spoke about, about Auntie Vi's condition being grand's fault. Let's talk about that and why and how you explore that. And of course, the wonderful Lily Kerber, whom I think is a character that we probably all know, is involved there, but I'm not going to give any spoilers away. So L Lily Gerber is Grand's best friend and she's terribly dramatic and she wears colorful turbans and she was in the theater. And she is the one who, when Grand falls pregnant with Vi, when her first child is only nine months old. And she's, uh, this, this is the story that she was feeling absolutely overwhelmed by uh, the, the idea of, of, of already having another baby. And so she tries to terminate the pregnancy with something that she gets from the chemist. And uh, she sort of, she says, oh, it was a little iodine wash that the chemist gave me. But she actually used ergotrate, which, which is used by, in the labor process to, to bring on contractions and, and often to, to bring on extra contractions to release the placenta. And so there's a story about how she gets the ergotrate and Lily's the one who finds someone in the theater who, who often had to do something for the girls whose periods were late because those girls were a little bit loose. And, and so there, there's a marvelous scene where she uses the ergotrate. But this is obviously then thought to have interfered with the pregnancy. And that was her prevailing belief. It, you know, years later when it was discovered that uh, it was in fact genetic and had nothing to do with what she did or didn't do to herself in the first trimester, there was no way we could have told my gran that in fact she was the carrier of a genetic disorder and my aunt was therefore the recipient of that bad gene. And uh, this was the irony that even though I wanted to relieve my my grandmother of her burden, I couldn't because she would not have accepted it because there was another cousin in the family who had a son who was profoundly affected by fragile X syndrome. And as far as my gran was concerned, he was an absolute mishuganer. Her daughter had a marvelous memory and she was quite high, she is quite high functioning, my aunt. And so there is a difference between men and women, which we'll get to in terms of this particular syndrome. But there was this irony, and it was, it was this that actually got me writing this book, because I felt that there was a dramatic tension between these sorts of inbound prejudices, and yet you've got a disabled person living in your family. 
So, I, I mean, the family is a very strong family. It's predominantly women. The, the um, grand's husband had died. Amy's husband is gone. So the characters are really very, very strong. You write with a lot of humor and empathy, but I think we've now started talking about Auntie Vi's condition. There are different levels of fragile, but it concerns Leah as well because Leah falls pregnant. So Leah has a, a, a little a casual fling with someone and falls pregnant and she's suffused by a suddenly this all these hormones she, she's a bit excited but at the same time she's she's terrified because what if something's wrong with the baby well why would something be wrong with the baby well because i i have an aunt who's not quite right but nobody knows what the trouble is with auntie vi so nobody knows what to test for and the reality is that with the syndrome that my aunt has which is fragile x syndrome it is in fact virtually as common as Down's syndrome. Down syndrome, however, is not an inherited thing. It just happens. It's a de novo aberration. But with, with uh, Fragile X, it is carried by the mother or the father, and it is then manifested in the next generation, and it becomes worse as the generations progress. And Leah doesn't know about the existence of it in her family and only deep in her pregnancy in the story does her cousin finally reveal that she's found out after years of research what the problem is with her son and she believes that Auntie Pai has got the same thing. And Leah's in absolute denial because they've always thought, no, this child is profoundly affected, Auntie Pai is not the same. But in fact, it turns out she is. In actuality, uh, I found out long before I fell pregnant with my children because I was tested in the mid-80s. My cousin did come to me with the final diagnosis. And um, it was only sort of mid-80s to early 90s that Fragile X became more mainstream and recognized in that there were diagnostic tools. Um, it had first been diagnosed or seen as a syndrome back in the 40s. It was called... Um, Martin Bell syndrome, but in terms of finding the site on the X chromosome, only in the the late eighties, uh, early nineties, and that's why people don't know about it. But it's prevalent. But you describe it beautifully in the book because you your, your book is very dialogue driven, and when the family decide to go for testing, you have a wonderful nurse Natalie who comes to take yes. the test. Just take us through that period as well and also how important it is for young mothers today to actually be tested for something like that if there is somebody in the family presumably who may have a, an intellectual challenge and then let's talk about how those problems of vice manifest themselves because of course fragile x is also a major cause of autism as well so, yes, yeah, so, so in the story, the medical researcher comes and takes blood. And in those days, this is exactly what, what, what happened with us. There was no one in South Africa that, that could do the test. Our blood was packed and sent straight off to Belgium. There was a professor there who was doing some groundbreaking work. And the results came back showing that my gran was a carrier, my aunt was a sufferer, my mother had got off scot-free because she had not inherited 
my grand's bad X chromosome. She got the good one. If you want to know all the details of the genetics, it's in the book, and it's easily understandable from there. But um, tests now for fragile X are uh, available, and and yes, if you suspect that there there is an aunt or someone funny or a cousin who just somehow never was able to go to school, never was able to read and write. Because in those days, children like like my aunt were simply cast aside. They, they, they were retarded and there was nothing for them. And most were institutionalized. My, my aunt wasn't. My grandfather, in fact, wrote in his will that, that his daughter should never be institutionalized. And, and so she stayed with her parents. But the way it manifests is in cognitive problems, um, learning disabilities. And men and boys who suffer are far worse off. There are also some physical characteristics. I'm going to read, if I may, a little excerpt about Auntie Vi. Look how exquisite you were, Mom, I said. I was gazing at a, a, a photograph of, of Mom and Vi as toddlers. Vi is very cute, though, with her round cheeks and blue eyes and, and that button nose. Yes, but sadly, cuteness wasn't enough, though, not for the nuns at St. Agatha's Convent Preparatory. They sent Vi home halfway through grade two. Poor little thing, I said. Yes, well, she just sat in the classroom eating her sandwiches and chewing the pencils said my mother. A string of tutors came to our house, but Weissel couldn't read a word or do a sum, and she would have terrible tantrums. She would roll up her tongue and bite it so it turned blue. It was horrible. My mother closed her eyes and shuddered. Then, when she wouldn't practice her reading, Gran used to hit her over the head with a rolled-up newspaper. It drove me crazy. I'd scream at her to stop, and she'd storm out of the room and go for a lie-down. Horrified, I stared at my mother. When the scene played itself out in my head, the actors were miniature and located at the far end of a room with high ceilings. I could focus on the faces of the little Vi and her big sister Amy, although they were in black and white, like the old photographs under the dressing table. Ola's young mother. Gran was featureless and I could only visualise her back. You know Vi used to break all my toys, continued my mother. I nodded. I'd heard the tale because it was one of those stories my mother had repeated over the years. Vi tried to undress the dolls, but she wasn't good with buttons or zips, so she would tear and bite their clothes. Sometimes a doll would lose a limb or even a head in the ordeal. This was how little Vi accumulated a personal toy stash, a motley company of the fallen and the maimed. Young Amy couldn't bear to touch them after her sister had had her spitty way with them. And it goes on to say that although, you know, even the little Amy, who was my mother, was kind of horrified by that, anybody said a word against her sister, she reared up like a mother cat, and she would always show me with claws. She would make the sign of claws and big green eyes. And, and she punched kids who were horrible to her sister. She threw them out of the house. And, and of course, as my aunt puberty, with, often with, with the fragile ex, facial and physical features become accentuated. And there's a long face, um, droopy eyes. The ears are quite enlarged. In my aunt's case, certainly her nose kind of became quite bulbous and, and she looked a bit like she looked a bit bovine, so they called her a bull because children children can sense weakness and they smell it like blood on the wind. Yeah, and uh, there's also loose ligaments. They, they have flat feet uh, and sort of loose joints. So this is, is quite common. And 
There's another thing when if uh, the carriers, although they are quite normal and function and have degree and whatever, there are syndromes that happen with the carriers. Women tend to get early menopause with a, a sort of shutting down of the ovaries. And there's also a kind of a tremor, a, not quite Parkinson's, but a tremor, ataxia, that they also suffer, the carriers. Having disability in the family in those days was a major problem. But um, Auntie Vi was incredibly well cared for. And that uh, there, there was no ways that she was going to be institutionalized. But she was no. very social. And she was very yes. socially acceptable as well, with her her funny little quirks. Who were I mean, tell us about those because I I found those that they sort of laugh so, out loud, but very very endearing. So very very friendly and would chat to absolutely anybody. If you went anywhere, my aunt would be greeting someone that she knew from the bus, from Red Cross, because she used to get sent to an occupational therapy group in in town in Johannesburg she'd take the bus on her own five cents for her to phone my granny if there was a problem and for her ticket was paid for and and so she was always hello my friend and hello this one and hello that one she used to collect a charity for Red Cross standing on street corners and she never forgot a name and she never forgot a face so she had this amazing memory and what is sad is that if she'd had some schooling if there was a facility like there are many today I believe she could have been perhaps a receptionist or someone because her, her manner is very pleasant. The only thing is it's not very long after sitting and talking to her where the person who is, who is now across from her will suddenly think, what? what? What suddenly happened there? Because she'll segue into a complete non sequitur. That is like suddenly oh, when we were in Hong Kong and Daddy had that nosebleed, oh, God, I, I was so scared and then she'll burst into tears or she'll suddenly say do you perm your hair and and she might touch the person's hair and then immediately it'll go into her perms and her hairdos her life has been completely tethered by her her hairdos and her her various appointments and the saddest thing is that in fact they phoned me from the uh, old age home where she is in Jasper yesterday and said she's uh, she's finally being moved to final stage frail care and she hasn't been allowed to go for her hairdos throughout lockdown and there's there's been a complete deterioration it was like the one thing in 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 her life that she just held on to i think also there is that question of control there, there is a theme of control the control is a theme that runs through the book. So each of the characters is trying to control stuff. Leah is, of course, trying to control the outcome of her own pregnancy. And so she's trying to get every single test that is known to the medical fraternity. Amy, Leah's mother, has tried to control her life and her sister's life and, and, and make sure that her sister is safe and prays thinking that this is, can control destiny, that her sister will die first. And of course, Gran has tried to control everything from the beginning by trying to stop her pregnancy. She then controls Vi's life completely by putting her on a diet. She weighs out her bran flakes every day, cuts her half a grapefruit, gives her an apple only and orders for her at restaurants, uh, dresses her. When, when Vi gets fatter, she doesn't have to wear two, one two-way, but two industrial strength two-ways she has to be squeezed into to flatten her ever-growing tummy. When there's another whole saga in the book about that. 
And of course, in the end, there's this marvelous kind of realization that Leah has that when she finally lets go of that control and just accepts Vi for what she is, she remembers the delight that she had as a little girl when they used to play together. And there's a marvelous moment of kind of hero's journey where she's she's learned something about letting go. And Hedy, on a personal level, how did this affect you? Yes, so on up? a personal level... I, I was, my aunt was kind of always there and it was often an irritation for me, I have to say, and I haven't shied away from that in the way um, I've written the book. And I think the brutal honesty is extremely important because it's all very well being politically correct, but the reality is something quite different. And then when mom died, I had to take over the looking after of my aunt, even though she's in a home, I'm the next of kin. I'm, you know, responsible financially and, and all that stuff. And, and one can feel resentful and there, there are ways that, that, that you have to deal with it. And, and maybe writing this book was for me a way to kind of take that experience and turn it into something wonderful by remembering all the funny, quirky things and the fun stuff. And also it is a homage to my mother who was the most incredible human being. And that is, in a nutshell, I suppose, what I have done, I've tried to make the legacy that my mother left me, which is my aunt, into something that is much greater than than just a mere irritation, but but in fact a, a book that that speaks to the strength of the women involved. Hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh, hey, oh.